This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. And it's got this great rousing ending. Amen. Come on, you can all do that. That's what it sounded like Sunday on Bowen Island, British Columbia when Matthew Vandergeesen led a small crowd gathered near the island's pier for an outdoor ceremony on the first night of Hanukkah to light the menorah that he built. Bowen Island is 20 minutes away by ferry from Vancouver. It's famous for being home to artists and other creative types. Vandergeesen is not an artist. He's a registered massage therapist, but his six-foot-tall menorah was built out of 100 pieces of wood he found on beaches around the island. The project was done as a response to a case of anti-Semitism. The menorah now has pride of place at the island's annual display of Christmas trees. Meanwhile, the builder's own journey to Judaism and the story of this menorah say a lot about the special spirit of this small Jewish community. Surprisingly, I will go down and every single night... Some people will show up. People, some people we've never seen before. People, there was a woman who brought her daughter down last time who doesn't show up to anything else on the island. Had never met her, and yeah, it has become a little bit of a beacon. And if I'm not there, there's always somebody else who's going to volunteer. So yes, it's a happening thing. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, December the 21st, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. It was an encounter with a Holocaust denier in 2021 that got the Jewish community of Bowen Island thinking they should become more visible and showcase their culture and traditions. And the menorah was part of that. So Matthew van der Giesen and his wife spent months building it. The menorah was erected for the first time last year for Hanukkah, and it got a lot of media coverage. This week, the menorah is back, but it needs some technical fixes after some unexpected bad weather and sub-zero temperatures have messed up the electrical bulbs. But the show will go on, says the menorah maker. Matthew Vandergeesen joins me now. First of all, you want to tell us a little bit of your backstory. How did you come to to be asked to put it together? The Driftwood Menorah Project was part of a larger response that uh, one of our community leaders on the island, in the Jewish community, uh, Ariana, uh, put together because of her experience of uh, an anti-Semitic uh, interaction that she'd had, uh, this was last year, uh, in a women's group. And it really got a fire under her that even here on our lovely protected little island, uh, there could be those little snakes of evil surfacing. So she put together a very creative program of getting a series of articles in the newspaper, uh, 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 talking about uh, Holocaust survivors on the island and and at the same time got in touch with 
a local um, sort of Christmas-oriented project. It was called uh, part of what's uh, our Christmas-oriented thing here called Light Up Bowen, where the local children's centre um, got people to pay for Christmas trees that they sponsored. It was part of a fundraiser for the children's centre. And so Ariana said, how about if we also had a menorah there and it would be sort of opening up this to be much more of a multicultural or interfaith experience. And then it went, well, then what were we going to put there was the next question, right? And so I... oh my God, now we have to have a menorah. Exactly. And, you know, of course, we're all very familiar with, uh, you know, the proliferation of uh, Chabad menorahs as a community thing in, in all the different cities I've lived in. And so I went on the internet and started looking at what people did and realized that on this island, which is so full of um, artists, you know, we have, I think, hundreds of of artists on a, you know, 3,500 person population island. There was so much creativity happening, of which one of them was an artist who had created a full-size driftwood mastodon up in the mountains. Um, That was quite a thing for a while because he wouldn't tell anybody where it was. You had to find it yourself. Uh, So I had looked at this Mastodon project and thought we could do something like this too. And so that fall, last fall, I spent a lot of rainy weekends scouring the beaches of Bowen Island and, uh, and at the same time designing what this thing should be out of which our menorah project was built. And, uh, and with a lot of hard work, it came to fruition in time for Hanukkah last year. So it was a really, you know, a very beshared way to, to start off this tradition, which now we will be coming into the second year. And of course, we are now embedded as, as an awareness in the Bowen Island Jewish community. Can we talk a little bit about the actual mechanics of putting this together? Like, first of all, you had to pick, what, nine? Or how many pieces of wood did you have to find? In- yes. So if um, you have a chance to look at the menorah closely, you'll see that it actually is made up of probably over 100 pieces. So the idea was to lay um, the pieces and create a textured um, flow of movement that was the branches uh, coming out of the trunk of the menorah. So it has a a real sort of tree-like feel to it, of which all the pieces kind of create the bark that that is um, the texture of of the arms, each of the arms of the menorah. And, And so to do that, it was laid upon a template of plywood, and then built somewhat three-dimensionally around that. Okay, so you made the candelabra base and then you stuck everything on you with what, glue or cement? Or how do you... Uh, a lot of that was done with uh, air nailing. You have a, 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 a string of nails, uh, it's called brad nails in it, like a, like a thing that would feed into a machine gun almost. And you, you hit the handle just like a, a big stapler and poof, in goes the nail. And it's very thin, sort of uh, bigger, bigger than a staple, but down around a, a much smaller diameter than a regular nail because it can be driven in with such precision and it doesn't disturb in the same way that hammering on something would. Where do you keep it when it's not out? <laughs> in a shed. <laughs> so it sat in, in, a, in a neighbor's uh, shed over, over the year, which was actually a great thing because... As we took it fresh off the beach, the pieces were sodden. 
um, you know, the tide comes up, the rain's falling down. So it was somewhat noticeably lighter this year when we went to set it up, which was all to the good. So it's up ready now. Where and where uh, is it? We have a really nice place down in Snug Cove of a, a grassy triangle, very close to where people come off the ferry, where all these Christmas trees are. So all these lovely lit up Christmas trees that are about six feet high in in this triangle, and then at the back of it with this nice big opening around it, so that people can gather and dance and stuff as if they were all gathering around it is this gigantic menorah up against the fence that uh, that kind of presides over this whole triangle. Can you t- go back one second and tell us, do you know what that anti-Semitic incident was that sparked Ariana to, to try to do this? It had to do with the fact that in actual fact, uh, Jews had uh, funded uh, the Holocaust, uh, that that it wasn't uh, it wasn't real and uh, you know just that sure, we don't have to go any further. Okay, so somebody said it to her in a horrible way. Well, and and just said you know you know of course you know you know in, in a very sort of rational sounding way. Uh, yeah, you personally also have a kind of a, a similar trajectory, I think, to your pieces of driftwood that were found and became part of the Jewish tradition. Just as you as well, I was told, were not born Jewish, but chose to become Jewish. Is that Thank right? you. Yeah, that's that's true. I married a Jew uh, and counter to, you know, the usual expectations, um, I we were both quite happy with sort of, you know, having a common sort of spiritual, spiritual orientation that didn't uh, include having to actively belong to uh, any uh, religious uh organization, uh, Rebecca, you know, had, was a very non-observant Jew had grown up that way. Uh, but as we started raising our children and our children started running into, you know, all the sort of Christian influences that can happen in schools at a certain point when our kids came home with uh, Christian uh, comic books, she kind of said, that's it. We, we can't do this anymore. And and it happened to be beginning of school. It was the fall. The next weekend, uh, some friends of ours were not in town and said, you can have our seats in uh, for High Holy Days. And my ex- first experience of coming into a shul was coming down the aisle of an Orthodox service. Um, and I was just gobsmacked. Uh, and and so I hung out in Judaism for a number of years, uh, raised a Unitarian, not really thinking that I needed to kind of latch on to anything. It was a very sort of inclusive orientation to the world I'd, I'd grown up with. But it came to a certain point, I was taking a training that required uh, me to have a religious orientation. Uh, it was a pastoral counseling training program. And uh, so I got challenged on why do you not uh, have, why have you not committed to something? And I said, well, let me look at that over the summer. And I went to our local rabbi and said, well, you know, what, what if I wanted to, uh, you know, convert it, it being conservative and, or, or sorry, orthodox. And because he was very traditional, he refused me several times. But I, I, and I had some very good friends who said, well, you know, you can start studying with us and check this out and see whether this is really something you want to take on. And, uh, and so it became very easy for me to, you know, 15 years into our relationship, no longer than that, 20 years to, uh, uh, to, to convert. And it just so happened because it's 20 years we did at the day of our 20th anniversary, we did a 
remarriage, a Jewish marriage ceremony as well. And, uh, and I've never looked back. What does it mean to you to have done this menorah with your wife, your family? What do your kids think about this? You know, we have four children and they really, because they grew up in that first part of their life without a strong Jewish influence, uh, a lot of their their language of their life was very Christian culture oriented, you know, and and uh, and so as Rebecca and I slowly moved into Judaism, they were kind of like, "What? Like, you know, we had all these nice traditions, and why are you guys leaving us?" And yet, as they started raising their own kids, they have been starting to have their those traditions themselves, and so they had their own menorahs that they light. And sometimes... At, Did you make those for them? Uh, no, I think, you know, unfortunately, I have, I'm not that compulsively handy. Uh, so yeah, no, we, they, those were some of them they bought themselves. Uh, some of them we bought for them. We um, have a little bit of a collection of menorahs ourselves. Uh, and there will be one um, sort of old school one that actually uses sort of like Shabbat stick candles that's, uh, that we actually found in a museum in Albuquerque of all places uh, that that we are kind of our official lighting one. And I've also made a, a larger plywood one with little battery lights that we'll put outside our, our house, you know, to sort of do the publication of the, you know, letting everybody know this is what we're doing in, at our place. This menorah that is now out ready to go, do you have to have security or any protection? Has there any been any pushback or any danger or damage to it for anti-Semitic or other vandalism? No. Uh, and I think that kind of overt action would be very difficult to do in a small island community. What do you use to light? Does you use oil, gas, uh, flame? <laughs> Wood. It's going to burn down. You have to be careful. Those those party, you know the 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 party the party light bulbs that people use out in their decks and stuff like that. That's what we're using. And if we and if we get some a new infusion of money, say like next year as these burn out, you can actually get a um, a, a part ones that have kind of like a LED control on them that actually make them look like flames. So. That would be really exciting. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Len Bennett in Ottawa. Len wrote in response to Monday's show about Israel's new government and why some Canadian Jewish groups, especially progressive ones, are worried about it. Bennett says, quote, a right-wing government means strength to fight terrorism and the feuding Arab factions competing to replace Mahmoud Abbas's kleptocracy. He writes that it means standing up to far-left American and EU politicians and NGOs, and it means opening the door for the Arab League to help the Palestinians end their intransigence, make peace with Israel, and finally form the state they want to claim, unquote. Tomorrow, we'll tell you about the last in our series about the menorah makers. We'll be profiling Marie Levine of Ottawa. She's the creator of the Matrix Glass Menorahs. Thanks for listening. And send me your menorah photos to ebessner at thecjn.ca. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.